Hi, I'm Nathan Shelton, uh, currently in uh, cloudy and uh, rainy Chicago. I'm Brian Arata, and I'm in sunny California. So uh, I think we got a bit of an opposite thing going on here. I can you're in the <laughs> you're in the dark, gloomy glooms over there. I got the sunlight shining on me, so that's 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 where we're at. Yep, it's uh, the odd couple. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, yeah. the cross country odd couple. Here. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, we're excited to to get together and chat. Uh, Brian and I have been friends for a long, long time. Uh, a very long time, it seems like now. <laughs> like, yeah, twenty years or so, right? Like, At least, close. yeah, yeah. It feels like that and longer. So. Not, yeah. th- not that it's been bad. And, that sounds like it's been bad. It's not, right. been, bad. It's not been bad. <laughs> we we both started out in Missouri um, and uh, both uh, in the entertainment industry. And then uh, his his um, uh, life took him to Los Angeles and my life took me to Chicago. And we don't get a chance to connect very often. And uh, when we do, it's usually a good time. And we decided we would go ahead and uh, make a make a show about it and include you on us getting together and chatting. Yeah. Oh man, I I just, you know, always have fun chatting with you about anything uh movies, you know, uh, theater, conspiracy theories. Conspiracy <laughs> theories, you know, dog walking, uh what have you. Anything. A, a little the bit glory of, days. The glory days of uh <laughs> Springfield, Missouri and Vandevort Theater, what have you. So, uh, how many how many people could say the glory days of Springfield, Missouri? Gl- yeah, not too many. Not too many. Yeah. Brad Pitt could say it. And John, I was I was just going to say John Goodman, but uh, yes, yes, very right. very few very few yeah although i think john goodman probably has a uh a better viewpoint of springfield missouri he's happier about his time because he's not from there he just went to college college right he had a good time and he still goes back and supports the uh the university that we we went to in fact tent theater has changed their now they've they're getting ready to open their new amphitheater that they've been building where tent theater the summer stock that they have there and it's the john goodman amphitheater oh man wow that's exciting yeah he's got his name on it so he's been doing a lot of work there and it's been great um uh for the university brad pitt i think did everything he could to get away from From springfield Springfield. as fast as possible and i i've heard that he actually said calls springfield missouri springfield misery misery yeah (laughs) yeah well, and yeah, like, and one one more little tidbit about BP. Uh, he went to Kickapoo High School there in Springfield, and then the locker he used at Kickapoo High School gets like drawn off in a like a auction or a drawing for some lucky kid to get Brad Pitt's locker for the year, and it's this whole big unveiling event. Oh, I get to use Brad Pitt's locker, you know, 30, 40 years after he used it, and they still, like, celebrate that at Kickapoo High School, apparently. Are you serious? Totally true story, you know. It's, I it's did not know that. That old, is insane. Yeah, it's, so his, his, you know, his legendary status still lives on, you know, from where he went to high school. <laughs> I mean, you know, having kids myself that are, uh, you know, tweens, it's kind of like, I don't even know if kids today really know Brad Pitt. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, he's a great actor. He's still relevant, but adults know him. But kids, it's like if they look up from their phone for five minutes, they, you know, they they seem like they don't really know actors uh, very much anymore. Yeah. And I'm not thinking that's crazy. Yeah. And I just, uh, you know, a little tidbit about, uh, Good old Springfield there and a big old famous actor. Yeah, and you went to Kickapoo too, didn't you? No, actually I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Went to Lafayette Lafayette High School in St. Louis, but went to college and MSU and just stayed there. 
a good yeah. amount, stayed there a good amount of time. Stayed there the right amount of time. Then I left Springfield. <laughs> right. And so, well, let's uh, let's tell our listeners a little bit more about who we are now. Now yeah. we've kind of covered like where we've been. Um, what, who 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 are you, Brian? And, <laughs> and what are you doing today? I'm still trying to figure what is that your out. Life now, still trying to figure that <laughs> out. I don't all? know. I don't know who I am anymore. This is, that's why I want to do a podcast because I want to figure so this like, all out, man. It's like personal. <laughs> it's a perfect time for a midlife crisis to be televised, yeah. not televised, but uh, put out onto the airwaves. Not, just give me a microphone, and I need to get some therapy in here. That's that's why we're doing this podcast too. So. Well, um, I charge fifty bucks an hour. Okay, you're so. worth it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> no, really though, where, where, what are you doing out there right. in Los Angeles, Brian? Right. Uh, so, um, went to MSU to be a teacher, and I got a you know got a teaching degree. I started teaching um, orchestra and uh, helped out a little bit marching band at uh, a couple of the high schools and the middle schools there in Springfield. Taught taught that for a while, and um, uh, all during that time, I was always interested in composition. So I'd write these little composition for the kids to play largely technique based what have you and the kids are learning it and they're becoming better players uh because of it and then somebody said hey uh i want to play the music to pearl harbor uh you know the movie the soundtrack the orchestral soundtrack so i did a transcription of it and then i started doing more of those i did lord of the rings uh chronicles of narnia uh, um uh what was the other one uh, Harry Potter. Uh, we even did a friend like mm-hmm. me from Aladdin had a choir sing with it. So I was doing these transcriptions and really getting in there and figuring out, oh, this is how movie scores work. This is why this sounds good. It. And I was like, oh man, I just and I'm writing my own little compositions. And yes, it's middle school and high school groups, but I'm getting it played and figuring out what works. I had a teaching degree. I did not have a composition degree. And so those last couple of years of teaching, I'm like, I'm going to be a film composer. And then your project of Dracula, the stage play, came around, and that kind of solidified the fact that I, you know I'm really going to give this a try, you know, film composing and 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 give it a go. So I just moved. I said thank you Springfield for all the years, but uh, I'm going to move to Los Angeles, try to be a film composer, and then I got a job pretty quickly. At, right, well, uh, we were going to move out there together. Actually, right, there was a whole yeah. group of people ready to move out there because we're having such a great time. Right making, after Dracula, right we after, were all on that high from yeah, working on it. It was such a great experience, and my first, truly, my first scoring gig. And this is like, hey, let's do this. Let's keep doing this. Everybody moved. Out. I think I was the only one, and then a few other people followed. Yeah. Um, right, but um, and and so yeah, we got pregnant. And we yeah, you got pregnant. You know, and yeah. life happens, and that's that's what happened. Um, uh, but when, when I moved here, I got a job pretty quickly at Family Guy as an orchestrator. So much fun doing that show. I love that show and just mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of it. And uh, we were working. And that was like right off the bat, right? Yeah, pretty close. You got out there and like got on that very quickly. Yeah. I was you know, just a fan of the show and I was like, oh, music by Ron Jones in the credits, you know, just watching the show. Mm-hmm. So I sent him an email and said, hey, you need to – need somebody you need an assistant an orchestrator and he's like oh man you don't want to do this this is you know you don't want to move here it's awful the film industry is terribly you know over so competitive don't even try you know give up now and uh but if you're still willing to you know give it a shot give me a call when you get here and so i met up with him at a family guy recording session actually and we're just hitting it off and uh so he uh and then i had to learn all this stuff to be on the show you know a whole bunch of brand new stuff and uh and like processes or what uh, did you have to software orchestration techniques mixing and mastering mm. you know at zero zero experience with all that um was, right. you know lots of just audio engineering things that i'm very grateful mm-hmm. he taught me and i learned on the job with that one 
and has since led to many other things, you know, a whole bunch of independent films, uh, other TV shows. We were on American Dad. I was on the TV show Timeless. Uh, but my biggest credit so far is uh, orchestrator on Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and uh, Tyler Bates, composer for that one. But uh, but ever since then, just trying to find my own jobs. And uh, I get I get a few tracks placed in um, TV shows like Lego Masters and, and Making It. I, I don't know if they're on the air anymore. The season, season might be over, but I get placements and you know, little TV shows, cable shows, commercials now and then. But uh, yeah, the ultimate goal right now is to get my own show to write write music for. Yeah. And you don't in your side of that industry, you don't have like um, agents or anything like that. Right. That help you get work. Do you? Are there such things as like. Oh, yes. There there are agencies. The Gorfain Schwartz is the is the one like the top one for composers like John Williams has an agent there oh. and all this place. Gorfain, Gorfain Schwartz. Gorfain Schwartz. Yeah. And um, Gorfain. Uh, but. One thing I learned. One thing I learned very quickly when I got here is like you don't want to try and get an agent. When you get popular enough and you get good enough, they will seek you out and want to represent you, because they're constantly uh-huh. being hit by amateur beginning composers. Oh, please, I need right. an agent. I think I need an agent. It's like no, you don't need one because you're no good. Nobody knows you yet. Um, and then when you do get good, mm-hmm. they will seek you out. What you do want to get is a lawyer. So when you get these contracts. And they yeah. can they can read. You can the, look them over and make sure you're not yeah. getting screwed. And it's like, hey, tell me if this is a good deal or not. You know, you pay the lawyer to read it to you or whatever and, and explain it because it's all that legal jargon crap that I you right. know I don't understand. It's like, pay a guy to read it for you, tell you if it's a good deal, and then you know, um, you know that's how right. that's how you kind of cover yourself as as far as uh, you know agency and everything. But yeah, you got to promote yourself. And even when you do get an agent, they don't do that much really. Um, Ron's right. Ron's agent on Family Guy. All he did was make sure Ron got paid. You know, he wasn't looking. Ron right. was Ron was always looking for other jobs. He wanted to be you know pop over into movies and everything. This guy didn't do any mm. of that. You know, so it's that's yes, there are agents, but it's only for well established composers. You know, this us mm. us still with the lowly orchestrator credits or meager composer credits. You still gotta you know represent yourself and promote yourself. So. Well, and if you think about it, you know, as far as the acting end, you know, everybody's like, oh, actors are a dime a dozen, right? You know, but if you think about how many actors it takes to comprise a movie, you've got the leads and you've got the tertiary, the secondary, the tertiary characters, you've got the, the you know, day players, you've got the walk-ons, you've got, you know, you've got this whole plethora of people who comprise the actors in a movie that could get a paycheck from that. You pretty much have one composer, maybe two that are working on a movie. So one movie, one composer and you got to think that there's so many different people out there trying to do that job. That's got to be exactly that's what, very crazily competitive. Oh, you know, I mean, our side of it because I'm an actor. You know, our side of it, it's astronomically, you know, difficult. It's like a miracle every time you get something because it's such a numbers game. It's like I'm going to go for this. I'm going to go for this. I'm going to go for this, and you're just getting, you know, bombarded with rejections. People go out of their way to reject you, and. <laughs> Yeah. That's hard, you yeah. know. That's hard. Oh yeah, it's, oh yeah. It's the yeah. it's a difficult business. That's why that old adage of acting teachers telling their students, you know, if you can see yourself doing anything else with your life, do that. Uh, <laughs> right. If this is what you must do, then you you go ahead and do it. But otherwise, get out of it. That's like an old trope. But even my acting teacher in college said that to us. No. And uh, I've said that to students that I was teaching too. Yeah. It's, like, it's not easy. But you guys have it even worse. Yeah. I think, it's, because. It's... Maybe there's not as many people, I guess, as there are actors in the world. There might not be as many composers, but 
there's a lot and there's, there's only one of them for movies. I don't know. It seems like I, every, every time I walk out the door, it's like, oh, I do music and I got my music in this thing or I'm a band. I'm trying to get my song into this show. It's like everybody's oh. doing music. Everybody's doing, you know, I mean, you know, I know you're, you know, horror mover, horror movie guy. And we're talking about John Carpenter and how he does everything and does, does all the music. It's like mm-hmm. there's people like that, too, that can just do a whole yeah. bunch of stuff. And they're, yeah. they got some David tra- Lynch, they, David Lynch, they, you know, they got some training and they can do it themselves pretty damn well. So why not? Yeah. And why hire another guy that you don't know and don't trust and whatever. save the money? So and if, hey, you know, and if you start composing music, you know, we're, we're done. I just want to tell you that. All right. So you, got, you, you got, don't have to worry about that. You got, I, you got all this. I failed music theory in college. I was okay. a musical theater major for a very little bit. And uh I didn't do well in music theory. It just didn't hold my interest. I was also okay. like, I didn't understand it. I, I barely made it through that class. Okay. Well, I feel a little bit better now because I was like, you do all this stuff. You're kind of like John Carpenter, an actor, writer, director. And it was like, if he even thinks about starting music, it's like, no, we're done. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, the music I guy, do, you know. You're the music guy. Yeah. And, and on any <laughs> project that I'm producing, you would be my music all guy. All right. All right. Like, that's settled then. Yeah. I've only got, I've only got two, two people I go to for music, you know, okay. but you're my, you're my OG. You're my original. All right, man. Okay. <laughs> my original Good. guy. Good. It just, you're always, you were always busy. So sometimes I had to branch out and I know. use other that's, people. That's, but, that's the way it You goes. know, and you're, yeah. you're big LA now and it's, I feel bad trying to hit you up for my piddly little, uh, you know, paying pennies productions uh, here in Chicago or back in Missouri. <laughs> and you're out there working on Family Guy and Marvel movies. So, but, you know, it is, it's, it, you know, it's a, um, it's a difficult industry to be in because so much of it doesn't rely on how hard you work. I mean, you yeah. can work really, really hard and still you're you're always relying on somebody else to give you the opportunity, right? Yeah. We're yeah. always waiting for somebody else to give us the opportunity. So yeah. the best, the most ideal thing is to do it yourself, create your own work, create your own, you know, yeah. projects. That's why I kind of figured that out early on. But then you get in the rut of like, well, I want to do something bigger and you can only get bigger incrementally when you're doing it yourself, you right. know, because then there's money and you're like, well, how do I get money? So then there's that whole business aspect of the industry, which is the majority of the industry is business. Yep. And we're all art, you know, yeah. we're like, well, I want to do something that's meaningful to me as an actor. Do I want to play a poop emoji? <laughs> Hell no. Do I get those auditions? Yes. yes. I actually had an audition for a voiceover to do a poop emoji <laughs> that sang oh, we did. for a very prominent card company. Oh, you know, and and I'm like, okay, I'll audition for this. And then they get back to me and they're like, can you sing for a callback? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Sure. So then I'm singing for this stupid callback for to play a poop emoji. And I didn't even get it. And it's like, I'm not even I'm not even a piece of shit. I can't even even book the poop emoji. I can't even book the poop. -poop. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I start doing other things, you know, and I create, I have a, you know, arcane, my, my company, um, which is like a like-minded guild of crazy people that like dark and mysterious things. So we, we create our own things and we get, I get an idea, a crazy idea of something I want to do and we'll, you know, interactive gaming, let's, let's develop this or a new play. Let's develop this. You know, like we did, you know, Dracula, that's how we met. Well, we actually met before that working on a a really bad 
oh. musical at, at Parkview High School where you were teaching, and I had met you because you were the music director there, and I got yep. brought in to direct the show because that was my alma mater. Yeah. I had graduated three years prior. And um, we met on that, but you and I just like you know clicked, clicked because yeah. we were like we had bigger ideas than what yeah <laughs> you know than, what than, it was. Than, than clue the musical yes <laughs> yeah that was clue the musical which is not a great musical great movie not a great musical because right. the musical is not based on the movie it is based on the source material which is a board game right and it's just cheesy music oh i but re- we did so much cool stylistic stuff with it that we really made it fun yeah you know but then we developed uh Dracula, and I used a script that was already in existence, Stephen Dietz's uh, version of Dracula. We we got the rights to that. I loved it. I th- I still think that's the best stage adaptation of Dracula that is out there. Uh, it's the closest to the source material to the book, and I love the book. Yeah. And then, I, but I wanted it to be scored like a film, which mm-hmm. I had never been a part of a play that did that before, mm-hmm. you know, uh, other than a musical. Um, but I wanted it to be completely underscored, and you were just right there, and we we developed it, and you were there at all the rehearsals, and it was just such a collaborative, crazy, uh. creative time. You, you we get lost in. It. That's what I love about movie making or or theater too is the creative process and kind of leaving reality and living in this little microcosm together for a while where you're, Absolutely. it's sometimes it's the hardest, most difficult shit you've ever done in your life. Yeah. But when you step back from it, you're like, God, that was the best and the worst time I've ever had. It was the most stress I've ever been under, but it was the best thing. So like I grew as a person, as a soul mm-hmm. from doing it. You yeah. Know? I, you know, I remember where the, um, the tech stuff was all the way in the back of the theater. It was this table where the lights and the sound and, and you sat up there and the stage manager sat up there, whatever. And I, I love just sitting up there every single night and watching the show go on. I'm hitting yeah. – everything was on a CD player, believe it or not. Uh, I hit play and stop. Well, this is back in <laughs> – Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, so I'd hit play and stop where music's supposed to go. And then I had a keyboard hooked into the sound system. So that there was like, I don't know, I think maybe five. So you could do live stuff. Some of the stuff had to be played live, you know, a very small percentage of it. But stuff – but that – I love sitting back there and making it happen. It's a live show. It was never once – boring um mostly because you know. it was our it was our creation um you know and had this mm-hmm. had this huge following very successful so yeah yeah so technically difficult too i mean i don't we had over 200 and something light cues for that play you know in a you know basically it's a community theater you know space but we ran it like it was a a professional production it was yeah. a bunch of college kids putting it on you know you had graduated already yeah. we were super seniors most of us had been seniors for at least two years um in the yeah. theater and dance department at, at missouri state university yeah and there was like five or six of us that got together and did that and it was we did it all ourselves we put up the money we did everything yeah. you know it yeah. was it was insane yeah. that first one and we did it again later but it was whew yeah, there was just such a love and passion for the work, yeah. staying overnights to build the sets to, you know. Yeah. And uh, you kind of lived – I almost got a divorce during that show. Oh, really? You know, because <laughs> because I was never – I mean, later we did get divorced, but that show almost did us in because I was gone all the time. Right. You know, I, yeah. I never was home. I, you know, I only cared about the show, and I wasn't even caring about school stuff, which that – we all got on academic probation during that time too, oh. but not because we were bad, but because the the department at the time got their feathers ruffled because we got a new department head in, and I don't know, one of the teachers got mad because we had all been told we had been promised it was okay for us to to take 
time away from the theater and do that show and produce it ourselves. Uh -huh. So we couldn't do one show. It was a Shakespeare play. They were going to do Merchant of Venice, and none of us could audition for it because we were putting up a show at the same time. Mm -hmm. But the teachers didn't like that, and so they tried to get revenge on us, and like the people that were in charge at the time, the head of the acting program, got together and did a – like called us all in and put us all on departmental probation what? and uh, oh, man. had to have a whole meeting about it. And he was threatening freshmen that were in the show. He, he was trying to get people not to audition. He was telling he was telling them, if you audition for that play and you get into it, you will be kicked out of the department. I remember you and telling he told, me about I saw this it now. in emails. Yeah. And then later, yeah, and he told me that he told them that because I went and had a meeting with him in his office. And then we had a big departmental meeting because that's against the rules. They can't threaten students like that. Right. So then we had a meeting – and when we had the meeting at the department, um, this is none, none of these people are there anymore. Everybody's gone now. It's right. a complete turnover in the department. But yeah. um, he lied in front of everybody and said he never said that. Oh, you know, I, wow. I never said that. And it's like I saw the emails and you told me to my face that you told all those students that and that you would tell them that again. You know, wow. we almost got into like a, a yelling match about it. Jeez. And um, I don't I don't cause a stink with people and I never wanted to go up against the you know the administration but I found myself at odds with the administration there a couple of times during my yeah. long eight and a half years I was in college and didn't get a degree well and it, <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> I was yeah. there for eight and a half years getting a BFA in acting and I still don't have that BFA in acting oh really oh man I didn't know I, that yeah. yeah no I never graduated I just kind of I had to go you know oh. We had, we had a baby and uh, and then the school wouldn't give me any more. Uh, f uh, they wouldn't allow me to get any more. Pardon me, um, any more financial aid. And um, it's I think it was because of a couple of things that you know. Yeah, I, I had been there so long. They were kind of like, it doesn't seem like you're serious about school. Oh, like yeah, I'm taking all these classes. I just didn't take classes I had to take to graduate. I took all these great other classes. I toured Europe with a choir, you know, and right. yeah, I yeah. did all this stuff. I took film classes and uh, theory classes and stuff, and I just didn't. Yeah, I didn't didn't graduate. All right, well, they only have a uh, 54 percent graduation rate at MSU. <sighs> I didn't know that. Yeah, that seems that's, pretty low. That's not good. That seems pretty low. Bueno. Yeah, that does seem pretty low. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that's happening more and more these days. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, going back and looking at that, like I, we were talking about creativity, you know, I wouldn't have traded that for the world. I learned more from doing that original, that production that we put together. Couldn't and agree more. All the other things I produced in my life myself, I've learned more doing that than I learned in school, than I've learned anywhere. Oh, yeah. You know, and I, I'm a proponent of going to school. I enjoyed school a great deal. I enjoyed college. I would go back again if I could afford it. Yeah. But there's no way I'm ever going to be able to afford it. Couldn't agree I mean, more. When I Because if – yeah. No, I was just on, on the teaching side of things. I remember I could probably count five, six classes that completely useless and never used once when I was a teacher. <laughs> that was oh, like, right. That and was you like, guys had to – the education classes, you guys had to do like two or three times more work than and take more classes than anyone else. And they had In the music department too. Yeah. You had classes that were like three days a week, but only counted for one, one credit, credit hour. You're exactly That's insane. Right. Yeah. And, and I like, why? Yeah. And, and why do you have to take theory classes to be a teacher? I enjoyed it because I like the composition side, but you had to take theory classes. You had to take theory one, two, three, and four. And those, that theory four is not easy stuff. Um, why does a music teacher need to learn that stuff? Um, but other just general education classes that I just were sitting in the classroom like you're 
this is nothing. I'm going to use this. I'm not going to use this for anything. And I didn't. I even knew it while I was in the classroom. <laughs> I was like, this is not, nothing about this is any, worth anything. And so my first year of teaching, I, you know, I almost got fired because I wasn't very good. And then I just kind of, <laughs> I just kind of sweet talked my way the second time around to the principal. I said, please give me another chance. I, you know, I really want to improve. So I like learned how to be a teacher while I was a teacher. And now the yeah. same, same thing as composing thing, you know, I, you know, working on Dracula, I was like, I got to create music for this thing, but I didn't have a composition degree. I was writing music beforehand mm. and everything, but I learned how to do it by doing it, you know, and that's, yeah. that's, that's 10 times better than uh, some yeah. class where you're doing it for grade and, you know, and something like, again, some of these right. classes that don't even apply to what we're doing. So, right. Uh, I learned, I learned video editing on my own. I taught it myself how to do it because I wanted to, I learned special effects makeup when I was in middle mm -hmm. school, I started doing it and got my first gig then. And I've been doing that ever since because I, I had an interest in it. And back then you couldn't find a school that would really teach you any of that, like anywhere in the country Like you'd have to go to a specific school. And I was way too young to do that. So Sorry about my dog. Right. Um, but I, um, so I had to teach myself and like actually with this podcast that I run, the Frightmare Theater podcast, right. you know, that we have, I, it was a project I wanted to do. We wanted to do it as a, as a, a TV show, like a, a, or a, um, if we couldn't, if we got money, we'd do it on, on television, like public access or something, but yeah. we couldn't do it on public access because we don't have any money. So we were like, let's do a YouTube web or you like a web series you know like we had done with shadowbound yeah. and i was like let's do that and then it was like no because you have to pay to get all the actors there all the time and just doing that on a regular basis it's like maybe we get one season out and then we'd burn out right so i'm like how can we make this go for the long haul well let's do an audio drama because it's cheap to produce and you can make it like a movie for your ears plus we all loved old horror radio shows right um and I love those. And so I'm like, well, this – you could do a lot of cool stuff and really make something pretty terrifying yeah. like this. But when I, I brought on a sound guy, but he was just too busy. He was so busy. He couldn't keep up with the workload. And, and I gave him a long time, you know. But it was like mm -hmm. six months of – we developed the show for a year before any episode ever got released. Wow. And we were recording stuff. Well, he couldn't keep up with it. So I had to let him go and I had to learn myself how to do everything. So now I'm doing – all the production end of that show oh. out of necessity. But I've learned so much. I've learned so much yeah. about audio and about layering and about, you know, how sound and music integrate into a, into a film, into anything like that. And it's helped me. I now have a greater understanding of, of when I'm doing theater, how to integrate sound effects and, um, you know, and, and layering sounds and all sorts of stuff. It's, it's amazing that how necessity really can just, drive yeah. your creativity yeah. through the roof and 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 I've grown so much by having to you know saying yeah okay I can I can do that and then not knowing how the hell I'm going to do it but figuring it out on yeah. the job. No, it does uh, what's that one phrase necessity necessity is the mother of invention and, of invention uh, right yeah, yeah. who so, said that? I forget, I forget I just remember the phrase I don't know who said it but right. uh, yeah. yeah no I remember that necessity is the mother of invention right I was like you and need this so you got to figure it's out true. how to make it how to how to invent it whatever it is you <laughs> yeah know? fake it till you make it, it and, you, you know you hear it. that and, too and it's um, on the it's job. very true I feel like every day I'm doing that yeah on you know? the job training you know and uh, um, you know I had no idea how to mix stuff I had no idea how to use instrument samples I learned all of that on Family Guy getting getting paid to do it on family guy and i would not be hey, any, at least you got paid to do it yeah yeah i know so and that's what i tell people all the time you know every time i once in a while i get a college student or 
another teacher friend of mine, they got a student interested in composition. Hey, give this guy an email or a call. And I say, well, start doing it. You know, yes, go to college, finish, finish college. Okay. I'm not saying don't go to college, but start making stuff, real stuff. And um, you will learn a whole lot more than, than, than going to class. Not that you don't learn anything in class, but um, you know, the real stuff. I mean, and everybody finds, I think as far as school goes, um, I'm torn these days because I would never tell somebody not to go to school, but right. I'm also equally not going to tell somebody that they should go to school. I right. think it's very much on a case per case basis, and I think it's very much on how you know how tenacious are you about learning? Do you need a structured environment to learn, or can you can you um, do online classes? At, you know, or like pick up things here and there and buy the equipment and teach yourself. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Anytime, anytime somebody's in the hallway, he goes nuts. Okay. Um, can you, can you, um, you know, do you need to go to school to, to be, have that structured environment or are you tenacious enough to kind of pick this up on your own? Yeah. You know, when, when people ask me a lot, um, about like, oh, well, where did you learn makeup? Where did you learn special effects stuff? And, um, uh, you know, back then there was no YouTube, you know? I said that word. There was no YouTube. YouTube. There was no YouTube. Um, there was nothing like that. But now there is, and there's some great oh. people out there just showing you how to do all this stuff. And it's like, oh my uh. god, if I had this when I was a kid, Jesus, uh. this, it would have been amazing. But I was watching special features on the backs of of VHS tapes. You know, like yeah. after the movie, you'd buy the special edition that had a little thirty minute behind the scenes thing, watching over and over and over again, Thriller in the making. Right. You know getting tutorials watching any special that was on tv on hbo or anything that you can to get your your head around it and then getting freaking books remember those yeah. you know <laughs> getting books, getting books that, yeah that had this stuff in it and um looking at it and then just playing getting yeah. makeup and playing with it and and figuring it out and like oh i want to do this and i made some horrible mistakes and almost disfigured myself i don't know how many times oh. and other people you know i one time used a brillo pad to take makeup off and i like scraped oh. off all my skin on half my face oh my I let some god kid dude talk me into that oh it was it was dumb it was a dumb move but i was oh. in middle school what did i know oh. um i now i'm almost 40 <laughs> what do i know um but, you know, nowadays you can learn a lot on your own, but there's still something to be said about having formal education and accreditation, things like that. There, There is, you know, having a degree, having a certificate. But if you're skilled enough and if you're personable enough and you're professional enough, you show up, you do the work, you get it done and you do a really good job doing it. Yeah. That goes a long way. The fact that I've never gotten a, my degree has never hindered me in getting a day job what? or getting a, you know, I mean, there's been some people that have asked me to teach at a university, and that's the only thing that I haven't been able to do because I don't have my degree, so I can't teach at a university. I see. And they're like, oh, well, you know, because I've been invited to, to go and teach or give workshops even at universities. I can't even do that what? as a staff member or anything. Like, yeah, like you have to have a, at speaking. least a you have to have at least a, a degree, an associates, or something to at most universities. I think to at least even be a staff member, like oh, when staff. You teach people. Like, you but like, I'll go in. And... I can do workshops. Okay. I can get invited in to do workshops and give lectures and stuff. And I've done that. And and you know, I do that a lot for like. Um, camps you know like film camps that for high school kids there's an international film camp here at northwestern university and mm -hmm. i've taught there multiple summers 
you know, that's a pretty cool program that they do. Um, and I always do like a makeup workshop or whatever, but I'm getting out of doing makeup now because I haven't been keeping up with my education and that industry had changes every year. And now there's just so many great products out there and things that it's like, I can't keep up. I'm still doing stuff like Tom Savini was doing back in the eighties, you know, oh. like buildups and stuff like that. It's like yeah. in my, you know, I just don't have the the passion for it that I used to to keep progressing there. You know, now I'm more into acting and writing and producing, you yeah. know, and directing. Those are my my things that I, you know, that I can focus on. And life gets in the way, you know. Oh, it's like, I mean, yeah. you don't have I know that you don't have a wife and kids and no. you know, things like that and and a dog and stuff. <laughs> you want to have a dog, but I want to have a um, dog, but yeah. But it's still, you know, life gets in the way and you could, you start going, oh, my God, bills and oh, my God, stress and oh, my God, you know, mm -hmm. car payments or whatever the hell you got going on in your life. Yeah. And it's like, how can I fit in the creativity with it, too? You know, and I have to work a day job, you know, like I work, uh, you know, a typical nine to five day job, which sometimes is more because I, I'm, I, I'm a manager, um, you know, a project manager where I work. And um, so I do that and then I have this whole other life outside of that that's also a full-time job and trying to, you know, hang, you know, keep up with the kids and my wife and stuff like that. So you it's – four full-time jobs right now. All, yeah. all those are full-time jobs. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But you can – and you keep the passion alive um, as, as best you can. But things do start to go, you know. I've thought about this a lot. You know, as you get older, I think we all start to like look at our lives and go, When? You know, yeah. because I've always been one of those those people that my parents were great and they were always like, you could do anything you want in this life. You could yeah. do anything, anything you want. And I believe that. And parts of me still believe that. But there's another part of me that's like, well, yeah, but shit, dude, if you haven't done it yet, you're not going to do it. You I, know, and that's the death of that's the death of creativity and art, too, though, in some ways, because but it's also good to be practical I don't know. I, I'm very torn on this, Brian, because I, I go a lot and go into this, you know, like uh, one day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to do this. But if you do that too much, you look in the head so much that it's like, well, when are you going to put the work in to actually attain exactly. that? Exactly. You know, I, I couldn't agree hard. more. I have, I have the same exact thoughts. You know, I'm, I'm 46, and, uh, you know, and I've been here. Uh, 46? Good God. No, yeah. I'm <laughs> I know, but I can't believe it sometimes. Like, what the hell? What? You don't look 46. You look like a nubile 38. I know. I, was so, like, I can still pass for 36 maybe sometimes. I still get carded. I no, just, you you can. I don't even see very many gray hairs on your head. They're there. The camera, I don't think the No, I got a special filter that filters out gray hair. So. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There's, well, and also, you in, don't have a beard. Can you, can you grow a beard? I can. It's There's a little scruff right here, but... It it looks. Oh, I've never seen you with facial hair. It ever. looks. It looks. I tried it a couple times in college. It just looks terrible and patchy. It's not. Th it's not thick like yours at all. So the it just, Keanu Reeves. The yeah, Keanu Reeves. It looks. Effect. It looks so bad. It's I was like, like a dog I with mange. I was like, I'm so. Uh, you know, like if I go out unshaven, I'm so glad I have to wear a mask because it looks so terrible. You know, and I should have been wearing. Yeah, I should got... have been wearing masks all along when I was unshaven because it looks that bad. But I try to keep oh, clean shaven most of the time. Yeah. I have a twin brother and he can't grow facial hair, yeah, which is just... weird. But my, my dad, my, all my uncles, they can grow a beard. And I've always wanted to have a beard. And I have a pretty full beard, but it's mm. turning white. A oh. lot of it is turning white. Yeah. I'm 39. I'll be, I'll be 40 in April. Yeah. And uh, my – yeah, but and I've got a couple of little holes in it that where the, yeah. that no, just I got, never grows. Yeah. But for the most part. So I, I just gave up trying. I was but like, yeah, you've always looked young then. Maybe that's because you have a cherubic face. You know, yeah. Well, but I get that all you, the time. No, I was in – a 7-Eleven just getting beer and uh, this guy goes 
oh, you can't buy beer. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He like was like 46. Dude. I, was like, I think, yeah, I was like 44 at the time. This was a couple of years ago. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're not old enough. I was like, I'm 44. And he's, you know, just total shock that I'm 44 years old. And I was like, look at me. Do I look do Benjamin I look, Buttons? Yeah. Do I look 18? <laughs> I'll show you some pictures of me at 18. I was like, I do not look 18. I was like, you, you when you were 18, you look like an infant. Right. Uh, yeah. 18. I look like I was five. So, you know, Lindsay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I, I did decide that last year. I was like, I had enough getting older, so I'm just going to go. I'm going to Benjamin Button this from, from now on, just get younger. It's enough aging. Yeah. Hey, if you can do it, yeah. if it works for you, uh, it's just a mind, it. It's I just mean, a people, mindset. Reverse, reverse the clock. Come on, go backwards. <sighs> I Share that mindset with me. It's, it's yeah. difficult. Um, it, it's weird getting older and yeah. – uh, but especially, I think, at around our age, because we're, you know, in our third, late 30s, early to mid 40s. At that time, you're like, well, I'm not a young man anymore, but right. I'm not an old man. And I'm not really I don't even feel like I'm midlife, although I've had like six midlife crises, I think, since right. starting in my 20s. Right. Um, but like but I'm a neurotic person, but like oh, it's, it's I'm in my head all because, the time. Yeah, it's weird because when you get when you get to this age, you're like. You start to go well, and I think our society is speeding up so fast right now. You know, it's like people now, we are older feeling because we're so out of touch with the younger generation yep. that would normally take twenty or thirty years to get to. Mm -hmm. You know, it took us ten because of how fast information changes these days. Yep. So it's like my kids, you know, were the generation under me. It's almost like I feel like their grandfather sometimes because yeah. of how different sure. the world is in our two scopes, right? Yeah. And that's weird. That's a weird thing to get your head around. Yeah. Um, because I, I think that that's always happened, but it usually takes everybody longer. Like it took longer for my parents to feel like – because they're only 20 years older than than we are. They had us when they were 20. Oh, okay. And I think I think it it took them less time to feel ancient. To us, you know, right. like even in high school and when we were in early college, it still felt like they were young, young parents who were still very vibrant and vital and like understood the younger generation. I mean, they were both like youth pastors in their church for a long time, mm -hmm. you know, because back then it seemed like, you know, I don't know, there wasn't as much of a gap. But today it's like, I mean, I went to yesterday actually and I, I went on a field trip to the field museum with my son's class as a volunteer which pff, that was crazy I've never done that before but yeah. I was like yeah I'll volunteer to go to the field museum and I had five rowdy kids I, I they gave me all the bad kids which my son is one of the the you know the quote unquote bad kids you know oh, he's boy. got he's hyperactive so of course teachers don't know how to deal with him he's a great kid he's amazing he's super creative he's awesome yeah. but He's a troublemaker, okay. and I got all the troublemakers. So I had four troublemakers in this museum, five troublemakers in this museum that I was wrangling the whole time. Oh boy! And but I felt so old compared yeah. to them, and it's just weird because I don't feel like an old man when I just think of myself. When I, I think of myself, I still think of myself like I'm just, you know, that last third year and third senior year of college or something. I, I know. You know, other than being overweight and not having a lot of energy anymore that I used to have, I, I don't feel old. 
I, I, I just think that's stress, you know, and yeah. being sitting on my ass for two years because of COVID. Right. I couldn't, <laughs> you know, not getting out. Couldn't agree more. I put on at least 15 pounds, you know, during COVID. I got to, I got to work it I'll off. see your 15 and I'll raise you another 15. Another 15. Sir. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's me, not you. Oh, okay. You'll agree. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, but, uh, you know, yeah, I'm like, Jabba the Hutt over here in a flannel. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I, as I put on some of my favorite jeans, I was like, oh, man. Don't fit. Oh, I know. I was like, yeah. that's, that's the worst feeling. I know. So, but I, I got a whole closet of don't fit. Oh, these days. <laughs> I, no, I completely agree <laughs> with you about getting older and, 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 and not being connected to the younger people. Even the last couple of years of teaching, there, there were some students saying something and I didn't, I didn't get it. Like I didn't get the joke. Like it they was, there was a younger, you know, that, that's the one I really felt old in that there's a joke the kids are saying, which I was always getting, but then this last couple of years, I'm like, I don't understand what the, why that's funny. And they're, they're like speaking yeah. some other language. And I'm like, man, I'm getting old. Oh, it's worse now, Brian. It's so, worse now. I know you're not in education, but like having these kids and like get it, they're getting on TikTok and, oh. uh, you know, these different, you know, Snapchat and stuff. And it's like, I, I do Instagram. I do, I do Facebook. I, I try, I'm not on Facebook as much as I used to be. I only just promote my, my shit on there. I don't like, I don't get on there. Like I used to be addicted to it and I was very manic and crazy and depressed all the time because it's, you know, the world oh, is an insane place. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big advocate for getting away from social media if you can, but I, I do, I still get on there and check things and Twitter and stuff like that. But the kids these days, you know, they're getting onto like TikTok and, and shit like that. And it's like my son will come up to me. First of all, they don't watch TV shows. They don't watch movies. They watch freaking YouTube, little little YouTube things. And they're like, oh, it's such a great show. And I'm like, that's not a show. That's some guy screaming into a microphone playing a video game. That is not a show. Right. You know, it's obnoxious and turn it off. <laughs> not at my house. <laughs> but but they come up to me and like my son, Finn, he'll, he'll show me something on his phone. And he's so proud of it, right? He's so proud. He's like, oh, look at this. Look at this. This is so funny. This is so funny. I'm glad I found this, Dad. And I look at it and I'm like, what am I looking at? Right. Like, this makes absolutely no sense no to me. Sense. Yeah. It's it's not it's not it's neither funny nor unfunny. It doesn't mean a thing. Right. It's like what is this? And he's like, well, don't you get it? And I'm like, no. It's a series of of noises and a clip that the, the sound doesn't seem like it even matches. I don't I don't understand what is this. Yeah. You know. And I've just given up because he'll explain it to me and he's laughing as he explains it to me and I'm just like. I don't even understand your explanation, sir. I, I'm gone. <laughs> like, it's oh. like we might as well be speaking two different languages that, See, you know, and one not of Earth. Yeah. <laughs> There's one alien language that's taken over the younger generation and, and, and they're, and they're going to take over the world eventually and then – and that's terrifying. Uh, that's terrifying. Me, a little bit. Yeah. It's a little terrifying. But Plus, there's some great things about the young generation. At least they're open-minded people mm-hmm. for the most part. You know, I can't say as much for some of their parents, but Oh boy. Well, that's 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 one thing I kind of <laughs> glad I'm not a teacher anymore with with phones and the and the what you're saying with all that. I was like I w- I would go insane oh. with that. I was even oh, a little, my God. little trouble with that. People were, you know, bringing in uh, little players and stuff and playing stuff in class. I'm like is a music class. I don't want to hear anything else except what we're playing on our instruments and just driving me insane with those little things. But now everybody's got a freaking phone. So it's, it's, it'd be oh my God. a hundred yeah. times worse. Well, I mean, and just the current, the current, um, yeah, and we're not going to get into politics or anything on this show, but the current political climate and social climate that we're in, plus all of that stuff, oh, it boy. is like, it's designed 
for the world to be against education, it seems like. Right. And uh, right. like I feel so deeply for all of the teachers out there at any level of the education process from the wee little kids all the way up to college and like – you know, advanced degrees too, like, like, you know, in the master's programs and the, the doctorate programs, it's like, I don't know how you do it. It takes a special person to be, not only do it, but to stick with it for as long as they are with all the bullshit they have to put up with. Yep. Like, I mean, different administrations coming in and out of, of, of the white house and out of state and, and local governments and things like that. And like, constantly just like oh i've got an idea oh i've got an idea everybody's got an idea of how they're going to change things and everybody implements their ideas and everybody has to be heard and because of that it's like it's great that everybody's being heard but it's also like this ping pong of like what's what are we going to do this month what are we going to do and then they're not getting raises they're not i mean ugh. don't have to don't it's have to so, sell me on that i i that's that's yeah, another reason i, I got, do it that was the reason i got out of it number one i didn't really love doing it i just kind of did it because my mom was a teacher my brother was a teacher and i needed to do something with music so oh, i'll be a teacher right. um and but then what you're saying you know you're constantly had to go to these professional development meetings where you're supposed to learn to be a better teacher you get zero out of it but if you don't go then you don't get bumped up on the salary ladder for the next year so you have to go to mm -hmm. these things right. which are just a complete yeah. waste of time i don't know how many faculty meetings committee meetings i was on and in that did nothing for me at all except waste time um you know parents getting in the mix and doing all that stuff so there you know yes i want to do the composition thing but there was a whole lot of reasons to kind of get out of that profession yeah. for myself uh, but yeah my brother stuck with it he he's almost ready to retire and he's been in it oh. 30 years he taught high school marching wow. band he's he's ready to, he's ready to be done though he's he's been doing a long yeah, time I been and, ready to be done 20 years ago man. yeah yeah so like, yeah kudos to those people that stick with it because it's it's rough it's rough it's so rough i just feel you know it's like oh yeah, and, I can't and, even. I can't even imagine. I, Brian, I can't even imagine what it would be like. And to I do did. That. And you know, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I did keep track of how many hours I spent teaching from for a oh. month. I kept very precise records, and it was less than minimum wage. It was like a dollar under minimum wage. Uh, the amount of money I was getting paid for the amount of hours I was putting oh. in. That oh, was, I'm sure it's awful. Oh my god, I. I know some of the things that my son's teachers and my 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 other child's teachers that they do, um, you know, and then all the work that they put in outside of that's what I mean. The classroom is... and their own yeah their own money that they have to pay for things to to keep the classrooms afloat and all this stuff and I mean it's crazy and my kids go to public schools you know they're not yeah. they're not private school kids but yeah. it's like the money and, and here in Chicago the school systems it's very it's very it's weird. And they go to some good schools, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, but still it's, um, I don't know that the education system, it, it's just so, it's so difficult and, and it's, but it's a cultural thing too, because I don't think that we would be able to fix that without fixing certain aspects of our culture and not necessarily the American culture, the world culture, world the culture. global culture yeah. of how we perceive information and how we really, how we listen to each other, because mm -hmm. I don't think that we listen anymore as a human species, well, we put out into the world a lot, a hell of a lot. Too much. We put out mm. into the world all the time. Oh, I have a feeling about this, and, and because I want to be heard and because I deserve to be heard, I 
want to use any platform and we all have platforms to get this out you know we're here doing a podcast so yes exactly but it's, it's like, like what we're doing here yeah. <laughs> right exactly but other people it's the same thing it's like everybody has that great but we're just waiting to say the next thing as opposed to actively listening and i mean i've always had a problem with that i'm a very aggressive i'm an aries i'm a very aggressive person when it's yeah. you know but i've had to learn um and my wife teaches me this a lot yeah. is you know shut up nathan Shut up and listen, listen and really listen, actively listen before thinking about how you're going to respond. And that is a life lesson, I think, for us all. Yeah. It's definitely something I haven't mastered. But as a species, we've gone even further and that that pendulum has swung so far over to the other side. Yeah. It's like nobody's listening to each other. There's no common ground. It's, you know, I'm going to feel one way or another about what you're saying. And I'm waiting for the ticking point for you to hit that mark for me to go or yeah, or whatever, rather right. than just going, OK, yeah. that's what you think. That's what you believe. Right. You know, it's hard. Yeah. And it's just what you're saying earlier. There's so much content out there to listen to YouTube, TikTok, streaming services, you know, TV shows, movies, news and everything. There's so much stuff to watch and listen to. Um, you just kind of bury your head maybe into one thing or, or you know like you're saying just sample a little bit of it and, and try to figure it out by without that but I, I think that's largely affecting the communication is the amount of information that's out there the amount of content that's out there that you know and a lot of it just has little to no meaning what you were saying earlier that video your son was showing you it's like why am i watching right. this it's a complete waste of yeah. time space and energy as <laughs> Well, and it, I mean, but I wonder if that's another thing is, you know, I find myself needing to shut down mentally, yeah. you know, it's a, I mean, it's a form of depression, I think, or anxiety that you need to shut down. Like sometimes it's like, man, I just got to take a nap just not even because I'm necessarily tired, but because I'm tired of being awake. Yeah. I'm tired of being bombarded well, mental, with information or having to deal with things. And, and I think we do that whether or not we're actually like sub, like being subconscious, like sleeping. We just numb ourselves with whatever we – like media that we're consuming, but we're not really actively paying attention to the media either. We're just kind of like, uh, funny, ha, 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 you know? Well, and your brain can only make so many decisions in the, in the course of a day before it starts affecting you physically. I forget the science about it or whatever, like – if you're constantly making decisions all day long, all day long, eventually you're just going to, you know, you're physically going to be tired. That's why people like um, Einstein and, uh, well, John Williams, big famous composer, Steve Jobs, they always wore the same clothes every day because that's a few less decisions that they had to make during the course of a day. You know, and they're working at such a high level of genius, all these people. And it's like, I'm just wearing the same clothes every day. Those decisions are done so I can focus on my job and do everything. But that's, yeah, that's, I a, mean, that's a real Brian, thing. That's why I wear my, the same pajamas every freaking day. There you day go. There you go. The last two years. Last, it's because I'm a genius and I just need to not make as many decisions. You already so. know. You already know. See, you're already, you're already on already. <laughs> I wear it, the yeah. same. T yeah, I've got three T-shirts that I go between and my jammy pants. And I roll out of bed and I do my work and I go back to bed. There you that's go. It. See, that's it. now you're saying. To, saving yourself a I'm few. I'm too genius. There you go. You've already figured it out. So that's. Uh, but that no, I've, I, I I remember doing. I remember working. You know, just some days working really hard and you know writing a composition or something and you know interacting with the you know software and answering emails and text messages and every day I was like, oh, I'm so tired. What do I do? I just sat on my ass all day, but I'm just physically tired from all the decision making. But I wore different clothes that day, so I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, 
Well, so so with this podcast, because we're sitting here talking about like media going out there and everything, and yeah, you know, this is you know when we get together, we talk. You know, since we're so far away from each other now, it's it's good to connect, and and we kind of synthesize the world that's going on around us and our. Uh, you know, late 30s, early 40s, being in the entertainment industry and yet trying to make a living, scratching out, a, a you know, our life for ourselves, still wanting more than what we have, but loving some of the things that we do have and not loving other things that we do have. And, yeah. you know, the struggles of life and living and that's... what it means to, to be an artist and be a creative. That's what I think this show's about. I think yeah. that's why we wanted to share that Um and create something else, and so we thought, let's let's broadcast our conversations that we yeah. have, and maybe you, as a listener out there, might want to join in in the conversation with us. You yeah. might want to uh, interact and um, and let us know what you think. And so, when we put these out there, we'd love to hear from you on social media. We'll be um, creating an account here and and um, getting this out and. You know, we welcome um, feedback. Join us on the conversation. Maybe we can get some people in on this every once in a while, some subject matter experts or something to talk about certain things. Um, I don't think we have a genre necessarily for the show. It's going to be, you know, whatever. We both have varied interests in all sorts of weird things. And from time to time, I think uh, when we get together and we talk, um, the conversations could veer into all sorts of arenas. And um, that's all I want. Really about connection. That's all I want. I wanted to talk more, connect more, and if the conversation goes a certain way, it, it goes that way. I don't want to really plan out anything too much on this thing, but just have yeah, a good conversation and, and send it out there and, and see what happens. So, Yeah, I love it. And I, I love, you know, connection with people is, I think, so much of what we need, yeah. Um, yeah. especially after this pandemic. But, yeah. you know, and it, it's it's so nice to connect with you again, you know, and be able to talk um and uh and have this and i think if we can connect with other people out there you know even as just listeners even if you don't interact with us um it's nice it's nice to to hear real people talking about real things and uh you know the dreams and the the life and the good things and the bad things and everything in between and um and uh i think being real with each other is the most important thing yeah. Sharing sharing experiences uh, of what it means to be human, what it means to be alive, what it means to be a creative soul, and um, the connection that we have with each other. Nothing else, you know, when all is said and done, when your life is over, that's what's going to matter, the people, the connections that you've made. And, and um, you know, we always want to make this great art and stuff, and that's great, but what does it matter if there's nobody that experiences it with you, that you don't go through that stuff with someone or that your art doesn't mean anything to anybody or even yourself, you know, it's... Things can be hollow. So our goal, you know, my goal in life is always to to have meaning behind something that I do. And so getting here with you and chatting and and uh, with this new show that we're doing, it's yeah. a it's a you know we don't know if anybody's going to listen. And if you if you are listening, fantastic. We're so glad you're here. If you're not listening, then you can't even hear my voice right now anyway. That's, so. that's, that's fine. It's 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 going to be what it is. If you want to enjoy it and, and and have us have you know listen to the show, that's great. If not. That's that's fine too. It's just uh, we're doing this for our own selves. But uh, if anybody, like you're saying, if anybody else wants to join in, join in. Let's let's talk about it. Yeah, whatever, whatever you want to talk. Whatever we you can talk start about. a Discord and and uh, chat with you guys on there too. Um, but uh, Brian, I think we should wrap it up here today yep. because we're we're rapidly getting close to this uh, hour long mark. Yeah, so, that's um, enough for today. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up and uh, want to thank everybody out there for listening, Brian. Always a pleasure to see you and to talk to you and. 
thanks for for holding me to the to the coals on this and like really being like, hey, we got to do this. We got to do this. We've been talking about it. Let's do it. And yeah. uh, thank you. Thank you so much for doing oh. that and uh, for always being a, a real person and, um, you know, talking about the big things. It's, it's good. It's good to talk about the big things with somebody. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So glad to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, love you, buddy. We'll talk next time. Okay. All right. Talk to you later, man.